listening to the First Community Podcast, where we talk about life and faith with our First Baptist family. I'm Caroline Roberts. And I'm April Adams. And today, April, we are going to be continuing our discussion about life on mission and talking about discipleship and what disciple making looks like. So, good question. What is a disciple? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Essentially, well, a disciple would be anyone who follows somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about disciples, we think about people who follow Jesus. Okay. We had the 12, the big 12, mm-hmm. who literally followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then all of us in our lives are to be disciples as mm-hmm. well. And then a disciple is also mm-hmm. someone who not only follows Jesus, but also makes other disciples who follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's like this growing tree of disciples and disciple makers making more disciples who make more disciples Mm -hmm. and then that ultimately culminates in the church Mm -hmm. and the kingdom on a greater scale Mm -hmm. so now that we kind of have a basic understanding of what a disciple is um how what is how do you make disciples i mean is disciple making for everybody is it for um, a select few teachers or people who are called to preach? Are they the primary disciple makers? What? Well, first you have to evangelize so that there are believers. Okay. Yeah. So, so step one. Step we, one. We, uh, you need a believer. We need, we need to know Jesus and we mm-hmm. need to know who he is yeah. and we need to put our faith and trust in who mm-hmm. he is and what he's done for us on the yeah. cross. So before you can be a disciple, before you can disciple somebody, well, before you can be a disciple or disciple somebody else, you need to know Jesus and have that mm-hmm. relationship. And then in order to disciple somebody else, that person has to have a relationship with Jesus okay. too. So that's kind of step so one. Discipleship. That, mm-hmm. Does discipleship start before someone knows the Lord? Like, as a believer, does discipleship for me start when I begin sharing the gospel with someone, or does it start when I am leading them through their faith after they put their trust in the Lord? <laughs> that would probably depend on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which seminary are you going to? <laughs> but no, I think, well, probably ideally, you know, if you, if you share your faith with somebody and you have the opportunity to stay stay with them mm-hmm. if they if they come to faith in Christ and you have the opportunity to stay with them and bring them through that and disciple them I mean that's mm-hmm. definitely a good thing but that might not be the case for all of us mm-hmm. like you you could be somewhere like that where you don't live in the same place and mm-hmm. so your job might be to um, share Christ they receive it by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit but then maybe somebody else might come alongside that person and help grow them hopefully ideally but um but yeah so i mean you can there can definitely be other people who have been christians for years and you might be brought into their life to disciple them at a particular time mm-hmm. for a particular season or mm-hmm. but we're always we're always called to make disciples mm-hmm. like it's it's not something that's just for a set amount of time it's yeah, it's yeah. like forever we're yeah. As a believer, until we go to be with the Lord, we mm-hmm. are being discipled, and we should be being discipled, and we should mm-hmm. be making more disciples. Yeah, and it's a very cyclical process, a never-ending never ending thing. We should always be sharing our faith, and we should always be helping others to grow in that, but then we have to be 
poured into and fed ourselves. Mm-hmm. So there's a responsibility on both ends. We're not meant to do this walk with the Lord by ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like you were saying earlier, that's that's really what the church is. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing for each other, what we should be doing for mm-hmm. each other. Um, now, whether or not we do a good job of that <laughs> is another question. Discipleship to me sometimes seems like this thing that gets planned out and and we decide okay this person is going to lead this small group and then you know that's that's good that's all we need that's Mm -hmm. all you need um but discipleship is more than just like a a bible study Mm -hmm. it's it's a relationship and Mm -hmm. and that relationship is normally between like two people Mm-hmm. the like mentor and the mentee and then mm-hmm. sometimes in smaller groups you know Jesus had the one then the three then the twelve mm-hmm. and and that's kind of what this idea of discipleship looks like is it's it's this pouring out of you know your own walk with the Lord and your own growing in knowledge of him with someone else who may be a little less knowledgeable of who he is Mm -hmm. so I think the coolest thing to me about discipleship is that there's not really a perfect disciple except for Jesus because like even the best teachers are still sinners Mm -hmm. and they still have and they are still learning and they're still growing and they're still getting to know the Lord more so discipleship is less about having someone teaching you and more about just walking through the uncertainties mm-hmm. of life together and yeah. figuring out who God is and yeah. figuring out, you know, how to live under his, um, under his grace together. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And like we, we have that model with the college ministry. Mm-hmm. And so like there are three college students that I've been meeting with and a lot of times it's Bible study, but then other times like, as time moves on, we get to know each other better. Like, I try to have them over to the house, and we might cook eat something dinner, together, eat dinner, <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, hey, you want to come run this errand with me, or mm. anything like that. And so it's more of a process of we are living life, but that opens up opportunities um, to talk about some of the deeper things. Mm. And hopefully, I try to model. <laughs> The best, but and even even in that, it's not be, a matter of being perfect. But sometimes letting them see my imperfections as well, mm-hmm. and saying, "This is how where God's taken me, mm-hmm. and what I still need to work on." And mm-hmm. the fact is, we we always have things that we need to work on. Um, but but kind of having that honest relationship with people and yeah. letting them see the vulnerabilities too. Oh yeah, I think that word. Yeah. We throw it around a lot. We throw around authenticity and being genuine and but that I mean that's what that's what true community is. Mm-hmm. True community is being open and broken about your sin and about your insufficiency mm-hmm. and together rejoicing in the sufficiency of Christ to mm-hmm. redeem that. And one of um one thing I've heard is when you think about making disciples, um, think about like when someone first becomes a believer, what are the things that you want them to know or want them to know how mm-hmm. to do? And I think some of those things are, um, first of all, how how can they share their faith? Because mm-hmm. now they have been saved, so how can they 
share that faith and evangelize, mm-hmm. how um, teach them how to pray, teach them how to get into the Word and know God, and teach them how to um, figure out what their gifts are, whether that's in the church or how the Lord has gifted them to serve Him. And I think discipleship kind of fundamentally stems around those ideas, um, those those concepts and those I've heard it said like rhythms of grace. <laughs> it's a very like cultural phrase. Yeah. <laughs> but these like things that we are to be doing and and growing in all of the time. Um, it's like, you know, someone gets saved, all right, now you are charged with the mission of making disciples, mm-hmm. but you don't, you know, meet Jesus and then immediately like know all there is to know about mm-hmm. how, yeah. how to, you know, make disciples. I mean, I know people that have been, re- had relationships with the Lord and been believers for a long time and they still have questions. And I mm-hmm. know I still have questions, but um, fundamentally, if we, if we ourselves as believers know how to do these things then we can teach others how to do these things and, and ultimately the dominoes will continue to fall and disciples will continue to be made and Mm -hmm. the kingdom will continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think of it like being, I mean, it is being a part of a family Mm. and, but whenever it's your church family, you have to be a little more intentional about it because sometimes it is a little easier to slink off or, um, or people can fall through the cracks, so to speak. They won't always, Um, you know, you don't. You can't always rest assured they'll be home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With family, you know. Yeah. You know. It's like, okay. Well, like, oh. I forgot to text them on their birthday, but I'll see them at Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> But with your church family, there's no guarantee. I mean, even with family, there's no guarantee. But mm-hmm. yeah, and like I think about Timothy, mm. and because not so much that Paul discipled him, but I mean, even Paul writes. Um, in Second Timothy, it's one verse five. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And so, the fact that there were, he was on third generation of believing mm. at that point, and so, grandmother poured into mother, and mother poured into son, and in that um, process, the fact that. Um, we're passing on what we know mm-hmm. and we're passing on those experiences and we're holding each other up through the trials and mm-hmm. even good times and bad and congratulating each other whenever we have success and then also being there in the failures and the struggles. Mm-hmm. And so it's through that that we do grow and we learn a lot just in those relationships that are all rooted in Christ. Yeah. And seeing seeing how the Lord has already worked in someone's life who's close to you, they... I mean, that in and of itself is a witness to mm-hmm. his faithfulness and um, gives you an opportunity to get to know him more. And, you know, I know my parents, mm-hmm. I was, thank, look, I mean, just blessed enough to have parents who sought after the Lord and mm-hmm. who were faithful in teaching me about him, but they weren't the only voices mm-hmm. in teaching me. I mean, Sunday school teachers, but then also um, leaders who were willing to even as a high school student, take me to lunch and pray mm-hmm. with me and spend time with me. And I think, I think time is is the best resource we can steward when it comes to discipleship. And it's probably one of the hardest to give up, especially mm-hmm. oh, yeah. 
especially with, you know, people who, you know, may be really hardened or may, you know, may, we may not know what we're doing or know how to do it, but I don't know. Discipleship is something we're all called to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, there's a place for everyone in, in making disciples. Yeah, I think when you're talking about giving up our time, which is something that I think sometimes we hold on to even more than our money. Mm. It's like, I'll give all the money, just don't make me give up my my time and my lifestyle and mm-hmm. whatever in that. But also another barrier is it is hard to be vulnerable with other people mm-hmm. and to to even say, hey, come over to my house before I've cleaned up with all my jungling yes. around or... <laughs> Or, you know, there's the dust on the on the coffee table or mm-hmm. whatever, or to see me not so well put together. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those are things that get in the way. Under, yeah. Those relationships, also our perspective of ourselves and how we want to be seen. Yeah. And then it makes you reorient yourself like, okay, I'm coming into this discipleship relationship with this person from the perspective either of, I, do I want them to think more highly of me or do they mm-hmm. want them to think more highly of the Lord? Yeah. And like, we may not intentionally, you mm-hmm. know, think this way, but our actions, and like you said, we don't want people to see the, the messy sides of our life. And so we tend to ignore those or put them in, you know, the backseat or just not talk about them or just mm-hmm. not address them. And then it makes discipleship really complicated because then you have this new believer who sees your life as an established believer and they don't see the messy things mm-hmm. and then when messy things come up in their life they don't really know how to deal with them because mm-hmm. they haven't seen you deal with them mm-hmm. and so it's hard but it's also so necessary to expose the messiness and the brokenness because that is how we we build each other back up and that is how we we grow and at that is where I feel like the Lord uses us the most yeah um I know personally I can think of mentors in my life I I got the most out of those relationships when I felt like they were not trying to hide a part of themselves from Mm -hmm. me even even though we may have been at different stages of life, they weren't afraid about talking about their broken marriage or their broken mm-hmm. relationship. Even though I may not have really had any idea of what they were going through, yeah. they were still willing to discuss that with me. And that kind of vulnerability, um, it can be overwhelming at, you know, to both parties, but there is so much redemption mm-hmm. in having those conversations. Yeah. Um, and I know I grew more from that than I probably did from people who, you know, were very faithful in spending time in the Word and very faithful in praying, but all I saw were were the good things that they did as believers, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't see anything that, that they did wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We, we a, lot of, a lot of the time as disciple-makers— put more emphasis on the what what do we need to be doing correctly mm-hmm. versus we've been redeemed and we are righteous so let's just work through all of the messy things together mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's so much easier said than done mm-hmm. to be open and to take that time mm-hmm. 
and especially as life progresses and we get busier and our schedules fill up mm-hmm. and I mean that's something that I've definitely tried to work on in the past couple of years and just mm-hmm. thinking like being available mm-hmm. and it's like and making sure that my schedule has that time to where if I'm needed I can I'm not always having to make an excuse yeah and also being at the point where I don't want to make an excuse too Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times we do fill up our schedules so we don't have to deal with 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 other people, better. with other things, yeah. whatever it is that we don't want to deal with. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it may not be from a, like, malicious intention, mm-hmm. but yeah. it ends up being rooted in so much selfishness mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's a sacrifice. Discipleship is a sacrifice because you're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing your... Um, the image that you believe that you are, you know, perceived mm-hmm. like uh, displaying to the world, you are sacrificing your um, reputation sometimes, and um, but those things don't matter because the purpose of discipleship isn't to make ourselves look like good Christians. It's mm-hmm. to make God look like how worth how worthy he is of being known and mm-hmm. being followed it's just kind of tough to to um establish discipleship relationships especially when people are moving and mm-hmm. people are going and living in different places um oh. and seasons are changing mm-hmm. and that's when it requires more effort <laughs> <laughs> just the part i didn't want to hear <laughs> Because, I mean, and it is, like, to, to enter into those accountabilities and those relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and whenever we do have to start over because mm-hmm. somebody leaves or we're coming into another season. Yeah. But, and the cool thing about discipleship and those relationships is that what they're built on is not something that changes. Mm-hmm. They're built on yeah. the steadfastness of Christ's love, of his you know, forgiveness of our sins, and that's not going to change. The people that encourage us with that may change, but the mm-hmm. message doesn't change. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you can have those relationships with lots of different people that may come and go mm-hmm. throughout your life, but the question is, are you seeking out those relationships? Mm-hmm. Are you being discipled? And as a believer, are you making other disciples? And... I don't know. Is one is one easier than the other? Do you think one's harder than the other? To be discipled or to, or to be, be discipled. To, yeah, to be a <laughs> disciple or to be discipled. I mean... In your experience. <clears throat> hmm. I don't, well, I mean, because the way I've always done it, it's, it's typically, I mean, it's more of just living life just doing life together yeah and I, and I hate that phrase doing I know I said I it and I was like oh no I should have said that you're just living your life yeah you live life literally like you're in with co- other you're people in communi- you're in community and I mean <laughs> I'm sorry because <laughs> I've been trying to avoid that. I know <laughs> trying I to avoid it. it but it's funny because I said it but I was trying not to say it and I ended up saying it <gasps> but it's but, the lifestyle yeah like, it's just life yeah and and I think there are times I mean because if we're not willing to let other people invest in us too 
that that should raise a red flag mm-hmm. for us because because then that that can un- uncover some pride issues and other things like that yeah. where maybe because I mean we all need that we need to be in relationship with people who have been there before mm-hmm. and to realize that we don't have it all together mm-hmm. in that aspect and that somebody might have something to offer to us but then on the flip side not just only taking but once you're filled to know that there are people that you can invest into mm-hmm. that maybe you might have more life experience in some other ways and can turn around and give back and really mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what it is it's us giving to each other yeah yeah and and it's cool to think about the fact that Jesus himself wasn't alone either I mm-hmm. mean he had his disciples but he was also in community with the Father uh-huh. and the Holy Spirit like yeah. he there's no one is above community. Even mm-hmm. Jesus himself was in yeah. community. I'm a trying God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and that's he modeled it for us from the beginning and, mm-hmm. and that's how he intends for us to live and that's how he intends for his kingdom to to grow and to prosper and to to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, in these discipling relationships, it's not just trying to raise up more preachers, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else to go into ministry. <laughs> and you don't have to be a preacher or a minister or a teacher, or a teacher to disciple. Do, do we have any examples? Can you think of, Gosh. of that in the Bible? Can I? <laughs> or maybe somebody... I when just I living living their life, <laughs> and you know when you think about the people that God used in the Bible, I mean He used so many ordinary people too. He used like even in the Old Testament, He used Rahab the prostitute, and He mm-hmm. used you know Moses, and He used um, so many ordinary people, and and as disciples, I mean we're just people that God is using. Um, I think about the early church and um, when the apostles were starting the early church and the people that God used to start some of those churches, like the Church of Philippi, God used the slave girl and he used the jailer and he used Lydia. I mean, Mm -hmm. Lydia, like she, she was just, you know, she sold clothing (laughs) and um, funded everybody. She was the financial backbone of the Church of Philippi, but she, you know, in um, in Acts chapter sixteen, it tells a story. Paul, uh, well, the writer tells the story of, of um, Lydia, and and um, it says one who heard us was a woman named Lydia, who from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And she invited um, Paul and um, everybody, everyone that was with him into her home, and that ultimately was the beginning of the Church of Philippi. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then it goes on after that to talk about Paul and Silas when they were in prison, and then the jailer, and then um, the slave girl, um, that they they commanded the demon out, out of the slave girl and and used her to um, to start this church and 
I mean, these are just ordinary people mm-hmm. that God used. They weren't teachers. They weren't orators. They they were just people doing life mm-hmm. that God used to start. Oh, they were doing life. The they were doing life. <laughs> A, Christian culture has ingrained that phrase in my brain. Um, they were living their life, and the Lord um, used them. He used mm-hmm. what they had. And he had planned to use what they had. And I think that's the coolest thing is, you know, as a disciple, you know, when we think about ourselves as believers, we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to Mm -hmm. God. We get to come to him as we are, and he will meet us there. And as disciple makers, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to become this great teacher, this great preacher, this, you know, Mm all-knowing intellect who you know, a theologian who understands so much about scripture and, and church history, like we don't have to know all of these things, but if we know God, mm-hmm. he will equip us with what we need to share his gospel that has transformed us and use that gospel to spur others to share that gospel. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, it's just a lifestyle. Were you going to say something? <laughs> yeah, you I made mean, a hand gesture. I mean, I like, I'm coming in. I'm <laughs> oh, coming in. Well, I mean. Bringing it together. <clears throat> excuse me. Okay. I don't know if I'm really bringing it together <laughs> as much as making a comment. Oh, that's a good but, <laughs> but she opened her home. Mm. That's the. Hospitality. And, and that's really what it what it started with. It was just there. opening her home. It was like, hey, know? come stay. Come on in. It might be a little dusty. <laughs> but, <laughs> Come on and there may be dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or however. I don't know what a dirty house looked like then as compared to, it's, compared to now. It's probably already dirt on the ground. <laughs> yeah, so. dirt floor. It's a real, dirty, dirty is a relative term. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, just thinking about that, how simple it is mm. and how simple the church started. Mm. And that we don't have to overcomplicate it. It's not a complicated it. thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we do. Mm-hmm. It's because, I mean, if we're honest, there's a lot of stuff we don't want to do mm-hmm. that we should be doing. And we mask that by being busy. Control, controlling mm-hmm. things. Yep. <laughs> or being trying busy, attempting controlling to things, things, keeping that schedule. Yeah. And so a lot of it is one being aware, mm-hmm. being aware of our own selfishness. And that comes and, with and, yeah. being in those relationships mm-hmm. with people who are going to call you out. Yeah. and. Yeah, questioning our own motives and then being around people Mm -hmm. and sometimes even comparing and saying, and not comparison in a bad, like in a bad way where we're always trying to one up or, but it's more like, you know, there's something I admire in this person and they live their Mm -hmm. life this way. You know, am I modeling some of those same characteristics that I admire in that other person Mm -hmm. and things like that where, you know, we can watch and learn from each other. And, you know, we all have our blind spots, too. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it is good to have those friends that can say, hey, um, I'm, I've noticed you have a problem with this or either. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or you're complaining a lot today or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be, like, a really serious sit down, but sometimes it can just be a little yeah. one-off comment that we make to each other to kind of, yeah, you know, straighten out our paths a little bit. Mm-hmm. Community is a beautiful thing, and it mm-hmm. can be scary, but it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. And it really just takes you opening yourself up to the opportunity to be known by others, just like you are known by God.
All right, so our guest today is our pretty new children's minister, Chad Smith. He is husband to Betsy and father to Claire. And Chad, welcome. Thank you. And we have a fish named Thinny. Don't forget oh, Thinny. Don't forget the, the fish. fish. What kind of fish? It, male beta. Mm. That we got for work, Claire, on Valentine's Day. Wow. Are you going to get another beta and watch him fight? That, you know, the temptation <laughs> is real here. I don't know that my seven-year-old could handle that. Did Claire name the fish, Thinny? She did. Okay. I was wondering all, where the name came from. <laughs> we have no earthly clue where she came up with that. Thinny. So there's Thinny in that little tank all Just by him little tail. <laughs> get him a friend. I know. <laughs> In another tank. Yes. They where need, they can look at each other. Yes. And make faces. Yeah. Bump up against the glass. <laughs> so, Chad, where did you come from? Mars. It's that planet. <laughs> kind of, if you look at the sun, it's... Okay, that was stupid. But I do yeah. stupid well. Men are, men um, are from Mars. That's I am men from Mars. That's right. Uh-huh. Men are from Venus. I am actually from South Carolina. I'm a oh, South wow. Carolinian. I was born and raised in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Berkeley County. Charleston. There. Charleston. Mm, yep. I've been to the Monk, the Mepkin Abbey. That's where it all started. Mm. Although Monk's Corner has a C in the yes. name. Not they just wanted to be a little monks. different. I like that. I don't know why, but just fun. But yeah, lived there the first 19 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Florida? Not, no. Not immediately. I, I know. There's a story, <laughs> There's April. a story. All right, let's hear the story. A story. <laughs> I didn't become a Christian until I was... 19. Oh, wow. And the, it was July 16th, 1989. I can tell you mm-hmm. the date. The following summer, I worked at Ridgecrest oh, up in North Carolina. Ridgecrest, yeah, we know it. And okay. felt called into ministry then, but didn't know what. And ended up going to Montreat Anderson College, which is right there where Dr. Mm-hmm. Reverend Billy Graham mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And I was an English literature major. I graduated from college in 1995 and just like all college students that graduate we just want to make money yeah i'm like i want a job give me something i'm tired of being poe and see we was poe because we couldn't afford the o and the r to be poor so we was just plain poe he was just poe boys edgar Allan poe see see i'm using my little english literature major with yeah it comes in handy every now and then and so, love college. Had the best time. Mm-hmm. I could not have gone to a better college. Um, great things, and it's funny, because here at church, Clayton McCathern also went to Montreal, played baseball. For, it's huh. a small college. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a small Presbyterian college. Mm-hmm. But I moved back to Monk's Corner, where you know I knew I was called to ministry. But every job I would get... God would just end. It would be weird stuff. Like, mm. and I did odd stuff. I was like assistant manager of a computer store, and it went out of business. And I had nothing to do with that, by the way. <laughs> I was not responsible in any way. Was it Radio Shack? Yeah, I know. You know, although I may not be the salesman, but it did not close because of me. Just make sure you know that little disclaimer there. Um, and then. I remember all these odd jobs, and they would just end. And during that time, God would just use other people. You know, you're good with kids. I was serving as RA, mm-hmm. which Royal Ambassadors, if you don't know, yes. mission, which the this GA, church has. So. Yeah. GA, so I did lads. And 
Um, eventually, I did a long-term sub position because substitute teachers in public schools and private, for that matter, are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember these kids would kept they kept coming up and hugging me, and they weren't in my class. <laughs> now, to give a little preface to this, I grew up in a you know I would say a Jerry Springer house. I mean, it was okay. a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. and so. It just, I'm not used to that. I'm not touchy-feely by nature. Mm-hmm. And these kids kept coming up and hugging. And after the second day, I'm like, why are they coming and hugging me? I was asking teachers, why do they keep coming up and hugging me? And I'll never forget, the teacher said, because you're a man. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going, you know what? Half the kids in this K-4 class that I was substitute teaching long-term mm-hmm. um, because the teacher was out on maternity leave come from broken homes. Mm-hmm. So that led to that and then I really after God just was clearly speaking Chad I know you went through a lot as a child but that's why I'm calling I'm using everything that you've gone through so that you can reach boys and girls so at that point I started applying to seminaries I didn't know which one I went and visited Southeastern but it just didn't it didn't click and I remember during this time I actually moved to Maine for six months, I know. Here, Southern boy. Just because? Up north. Well, I had a friend who was in the ministry there that said that I could stay with him for free. And then they pay more in retail. Mm-hmm. I took six years French. J'ai précise en la classe de français. And because but you I, Spanish, I know, and I never had yeah. Spanish. Go figure. <laughs> I, I, I have issues. Did I mention? Yes. I love your issues. I have issues. You love them. And so I remember um, working at a Levi's outlet in Freeport, Maine, applying and doing all this stuff to save my money for when I went to seminary. Mm -hmm. And I remember visiting the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. It's not Louisville. (laughs) Don't say Louisville. (laughs) That'll be a sure sign that you have never been there, but it's Louisville. You've got to roll it. Kind of like that. As soon as we drove on property, I knew that was the place. Mm-hmm. And got my Master of Arts in Christian Education. And so um, during that time, I met my wife. And that's a long story. But that'll be for another podcast <laughs> at another time. Um, but got married in 2000. Was called to my first church in... Um, Henderson, Kentucky, mm-hmm. where I did preschool and children's. Mm-hmm. So I did babies through sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, graduated from seminary in 2002. And I'm trying to remember years. I may be a blur because I'm getting old and forgetful and all that good stuff. But then God called me after four years to First Baptist Church of Brunswick, Georgia. And I was preschool and children's pastor there. Loved it. Loved it. Of all the churches that I've served at, I'm probably closer to that body mm-hmm. than any other church. It's odd. If you've been on staff or in different mm-hmm. locations, you just there are just certain places you really connect with mm-hmm. and love them. And I feel like God called me there because my, my dad became very ill and ended up passing away while I was serving in Brunswick, Georgia. And it was only three hours from home. Mm. And I was able to get to see, you know, my dad and be there. I was mm-hmm. there when he passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I treasure, um, I treasure that. Then after there, I was called to be preschool pastor 
of Hermitage Hills Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, Nashville. Love. Oh, yeah. Nashville yeah. has to be honestly, truly one of the greatest cities to live oh, in. Yeah. I will just tell you the Four Seasons love, although I hate the cold. Oh, I hate the cold. <laughs> I can handle the heat any day, but that snow Me and too. ice, you yeah. know, I know people mm-hmm. here want it in no. Columbia, but no. I'm like, <laughs> no. I've paid my dues. <laughs> you know, I want it because my daughter wants it. Mm. We know. only wanted to get work canceled. Or- yes, <laughs> to close the streets yes, and to have uh, a reason to buy bread and milk. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, yeah. Don't forget that. Because I never do that. I was going to say. <laughs> Other days and of then, the year. <laughs> let's see. After... Hermitage Hills, I was called as children's pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida. Which and I huge, served there. Right? Huge, yes. Mm-hmm. And very different. You know, God called me here, which is a little smaller than First Baptist. Um, in attendance wise, really not a huge, huge difference. And, you know, people think bigger is better. That great church, loved it. But it's, I think, harder at bigger churches. There's more silos. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a harder connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly, when God called me here, I mean, I felt like I'm able to give back to my home state. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in ministry 19 years. And this is the state that I, you know, mm-hmm. First Baptist Church amongst Corner, you know, was instrumental in leading me to Christ. And here's some trivia for you. Columbia viewers and <laughs> listeners or whoever is out there in media technical world. Um, the guy that led me to Christ was the youth pastor at First Baptist Monk's Corner at the time, but now he owns the roly-poly here in downtown Columbia. Oh, Dave wow. Hilbish, who I dearly love, and his um, youngest cool. daughter owns the roly-poly in Lexington, hmm. Rebecca. So... If you're listening, you want great food, go to Roly Poly. <laughs> yeah. um, been there. But it's so <laughs> fun to get to. Yes, yeah. I love. And I just, mm-hmm. I've been a Christian, well, since 1989, long time. And just every year, July 16th, I, I think back to when Dave Hilbish shared the gospel and I responded. And my life's never, you know, been the same since. Yeah. And I'm just eternally grateful for that. And then here I am. I've been here like a little over four months, making my mark, being the cotton-headed ninny muggins that, that I haven't called to be and uh, have loved it. I feel like everything that I've learned at the other churches, God purposely did for my calling here at First Baptist Columbia. So grateful. I'm trying to think. Is there any other yeah. questions? I know I took well, a lot of time. No, you know, you're good. Um, I can remember... Charlton being so excited. Charlton got his finder's fee. Yeah. He should. Sure. That is what so well, you know, in ministry, I really try to plant roots. I when I go, I go to stay. Mm-hmm. And looking back after 19 years, I think and it is hard to find a male seminary trained pastor for preschool and children. Mhm. And even when I was going to seminary, I was always told, Chad, you can pick any state you want to go to um, because it's hard to find. Your churches are begging for children's pastors, and they're just hard to come by. And so, um, you know, which is great, but it does put pressure. So I've always gone plant roots, stay where you're at. And when I've moved, it's always been God's moving Praise the Lord, because mm-hmm. I always just pray, God, if it's not meant to be, just 
close the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, I usually tell people I'm not interested. But Charlton, yes. to get back to Charlton, mm -hmm. I know y'all are thinking that and man Charlton is. Charlton has been on the podcast. I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, well, and if you haven't picked up yet, I am ADHD, so I'm trying <laughs> to focus and connect the dots here. But I remember I was. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I, I'm working on my doctorate at Biola oh, University. Did not know that. Oh. In California, and um, great place. Um, Biola stands for Bio, uh, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Okay. And so, get my doctorate in Christian education, mm -hmm. and I was there for my classes in the summer. I was there in June, and I remember getting a message from Charlton. <laughs> I know this may be a long shot, and you know, I'm sure you're happy where you're at, but we could really use a children's pastor. Would you ever consider you know, sending us your resume? Something to that effect. I'm not sure of the exact wording. And I remember just going, that is so, I don't know. I just remember just feeling, okay, I have always revered First Baptist Columbia. You know, when I was 19, became a Christian. A lot of times we would have handbell festivals here. You know what I'm saying? And so I followed Praise the, the I was going to say, yes, they taught music. I and I would set up the tables. And um, one of the, really, he's like a father to me. And he's retired from serving here in South Carolina, George Haltawonger who was the minister of music worship pastor at First Baptist Monk's Corner. And so when I became a Christian, I followed Dave Hilbush around until he went to be pastor at First Baptist Wagner. And, um, and so then I just followed George Haltawong around <laughs> and did everything. I was his little shadow. Wherever he was, there I was. And learned ministry. And so just these men that I'm just eternally grateful for. Yeah, I can remember Charlton. What's your so next question, happy. April? <laughs> so happy. My next question, let's see. Make it a good one. <laughs> what Is you, it some Christmassy? Yeah, what, what do you think? One. So you've been here for four months, but you've been in children's ministry for most of your ministry, I 19 guess. 19 years. And what do you? What would you say is this two-sided, two the best and hardest part of ministering to children? Because I... I I see a lot of people that minister to students and young people, and it's easy to teach them, but teaching children is a lot different when it comes to teaching them the gospel. Great so I'd love to hear question. You. I'm going to go with the most challenging part okay. that probably every preschool and children's pastor would tell you, mm -hmm. because it is the number one drainer of mm -hmm. our time and energy Parents. and focus. Yeah, I, you would think. I know that good. Yes, April. And in some degrees, yes, that is it. But in, in this way, recruitment. You ask any preschool children's mm -hmm. pastor, we're always in need. And I don't think people realize is that um, you've got to have adequate number of workers. And it takes more workers the younger that they are. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and especially in today's time where we've got to keep our children safe. It's mm -hmm. a safety issue. Yeah. We can't have kids come into Sunday school and come into a room where there's no leaders. Mm -hmm. But it happens all the time at every, every church. And so the big stressor, the challenge that just drains me dry is trying to get people to teach these little ones. And I think a lot of it is, I think people automatically assume when we're asking for help with the kids that they have to get up and speak in front of a group of people. 
public speaking or speaking in front of others is a fear that many people have. Mm -hmm. But ironically, that's not what most churches need. What we need are adults that can sit at a table with four to five kids. We have the curriculum. We have the lessons. We have the questions to ask, the activities to do. We have all that already done. It's just to sit down and listen to the kids and talk to them. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. And to do discipleship effectively anyway um, with, with children. So, um, you know, I love that. And I think for me, because I'm such a people person, I get energized being around kids. I love it. I love when we have the morning time where all the kids are together and seeing them every Wednesday and Sunday and watching them grow. It's always an honor to, you know, to see when they come to know Christ and to see them baptized. And I know that's the typical, you know, churchy answer, but it really (laughs) is true. I mean, that's why we do what we do in the calling and to love on these little kids and you know, share the love of Christ with them. So that was a good question. Well, have there been any children that have stuck with you? Maybe that you just remember, or maybe they grew up to be something that you didn't expect. Don't ever well, say names. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I just names. Some... Well, you know, you never really have favorites, but you do at the yeah. same time mm-hmm. oh, because yeah. you just connect and God uh-huh. gives mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, different kids. I can tell you, really, kids from every church I've served at. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps the one that sticks out the most would be, um, and really this is true for every church, would be the special needs children, whether they're Asperger's or mm-hmm. autistic, because my word made so many mistakes, and churches in general make so many mistakes with special needs kids and there's such a misunderstanding um and in particular the families that have a special needs kid i'm thinking about a family in brunswick georgia where it was the child that had asperger's but i was really his younger brother because he was seeing how his older brother was acting and i always wonder how is he processing this and just have had a heart for that and just had like a little reunion honestly before coming here and I got to see them here they're you know giant towers but I have such a heart for special needs and sadly most churches really don't have Mm -hmm. anything for these families and those are the ones the kids that really didn't have your traditional um, family of mom dad and siblings mm-hmm. so I don't know if that answers it or not yeah, yeah but that's me this is something I've done at every church it's a little trademark thing that I do with the kids after every prayer are y'all okay I know y'all are scared I can see the fear in your We're eyes completely it's completely terrified but this is what <laughs> this is what I do and it's so funny because the kids go home and they do this and the parents are like what is this and it drives them nuts and bonkers and that just makes me like doing this even more but it's this okay so you ask any of the kids here at First Baptist Columbia you know I only have one thing left to say and it's this so I do that 
is a little joyful noise, and I probably busted <laughs> eardrums. And so, was that loud? That was good. That's okay. Was but anyway, <laughs> it's just to make a joyful noise, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let the so rocks got, cry out. You've got them doing it after prayer. <laughs> do poor West Church. Well, yes. Our staff <laughs> member, oh, yes. West Church, his kids do that. And it's driving them nuts. <laughs> oh, Rachel. Because at night, they're putting them <laughs> down, and one of the kids will do their best at belt out it. And so, yeah. That's fantastic. Did I mention I have issues? <laughs> we all do. That. Yeah, we, we all, all have. have but it's fun. I love it. And I try to have fun. In fact, one of the big things, you know, when I meet with teachers and leaders in preschool and children's ministry, I really, the best advice I can give them is to plan and base their time that they're leading kids on two things, which are based on the two questions every parent asks when they pick up their children, which are, did you have fun? What, what did, did you, you learn? learn? Mm-hmm. And so if if leaders can just keep those two things in mm-hmm. mind where those kids have such an amazing time that they are having fun, they're engaging and connected to God and God's word. And then when they're picked up, they've had so much fun, but they've also learned so much that they can tell the parents, we had so much fun learning about Joseph today mm-hmm. or Mary or Nebuchadnezzar. Which, as a kid, I called Naked Buzzard (laughs) because I didn't know, but that's okay. You know, when you're a kid, you have issues like that. All right, I'm going to shift gears. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Yep. All right, so one thing that you and I have in common is we enjoy a good prank. We like to get under people's skin. (laughs) I've done a couple today. (laughs) Just today? Just today. (laughs) Just today. All All right, who'd you get today? I was asked, you know, to go to lunch with Wes and Philip and Scott. And so they texted, just meet in the parking lot. Well, I'm waiting there forever and a day. One of them got tied up in a phone call. Mm-hmm. Imagine that in church. Mm-hmm. So I hid behind the corner. <laughs> and so they have to come out by that walkway. By, you know where I'm talking about where <laughs> the playground yeah. is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, <laughs> before they could see me, I jumped out with my hands looking like, like a, a gun, gun and said, freeze. I scared the bejeebers out of Philip Turner. <laughs> I will t- he jumped. I jumped. He was like, whoa. And so have fun. That's what I, that's it's not what hard I say. to scare Philip. Or, or Keith. Oh, yeah. Keith is fun Keith. too. Keith is the favorite. The because people is. don't realize, you know, rumor is this church is haunted. Oh, oh yeah. It's not yeah. a rumor. <laughs> it's little a Tommy. Ooh, little <laughs> Tommy. So, yeah, I like to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, random thoughts. Okay, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Here's some trivial stuff about me. Trivial. Um, born in April. Um, my grandmother, <laughs> little little tidbit information. My grandmother was engaged to George Jones, the country singer. What? At one That's time. And, yes, yeah, I know. And sassy, spunky little woman. And, um, but George, she would, George but, Jones is not your grandfather. He but, is not uh, my grandfather, though. She she break it though. off. I don't know what happened. Break it off. It, you know mm-hmm. that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And now that he's passed away, I may never know. My grandmother's still living though, and so you I need to I need her. to ask her find out what's yeah. going on. <laughs> um, I boxed for three years. Wow. People probably would not have known that. Um, I grew up with two brothers, so I was 
well prepared growing up. I, I, I. You and Al should do a boxing match. Right. Oh my goodness, did he used to box? I don't. I think he just likes boxing. I don't know. My dad did. He loved to watch it. Now, I, I can honestly say no. No, it was not my thing. You know, and we lived out in the boonies. Most of my childhood, I spent, I would fish in a ditch. Hunt anything that moved. I would build a fort out of anything that was outside. That would be me. I hated being indoors. Hated being indoors. So, you know, that's the South Carolinian in me. Yeah. The redneck in me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's any that. other <laughs> trivial stuff. Do you about like me. pro wrestling? <laughs> oh, I used to. Oh, see, but the '80s. I mean, that was uh-huh. real big. Yeah. So I'm all about that. Yeah, I like John Cena. Mm, we've been to we've He's been to massive. some matches. <laughs> you can't see me. That's John mm. Cena's thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we really can't see you. <laughs> oh you my goodness. <laughs> It's so sad. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe to, to kind of close our time here, um, you talked a lot about recruitment being a yeah. tough thing to deal with as a children's pastor. What what are some ways that people in the church could, um, if they were interested, maybe in just volunteering for an event? Or, or if you're not interested, still do it. Of volunteering. Yeah. I know during the service you, you have um, volunteers that are needed to watch young children in the service on Sunday mornings and then also teach Sunday school. What kind of is out there well, and how the do thing. you go about I think it's all perspective. Mm-hmm. What I would like for parents, adults, um, keep this in mind, to put things in perspective. You know, we have our Sunday school, which is the biggest need that we have, primarily Sunday mornings. Um, from 9 to 10.15, that's an hour and a half. If we only have families here 52 times out of a year, and face it, not they're not going to be here that entire time. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, if you do the math, we have 60-some hours out of an entire year to really make an impact for Christ in these mm-hmm. kids. And that means churches have to steward that time critically. And we will never, I don't know of any church that can do discipleship effectively without the small groups, which by the way, Jesus modeled 12 disciples, but even within those 12, he would two or three, he would pull aside Mm -hmm. and children are, are no different. And, you know, come observe. If you have any questions about what it's like, Come observe. We have to know ahead of time. We've got to, you know, we have safety and security mm-hmm. procedures that we must follow at all times. And, um, you know, to serve, you have to be background checked. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, take that very seriously. Um, but come check it out. You'll find it is not what you think. And you will find how incredibly delightful it is. And there's a place for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we can never have too many workers. Mm-hmm. So contact, you know, feel free to email me. Um, my email address is on the church website. Yeah. I think so. You can send him a message there. That's right. I'm on or, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Yeah. com slash children. I think is our <laughs> See, is you know more direct. than I do. So just go to, go to the church website and we've been upgrading the children's page. It's a constant work in progress, but yeah. It is, and I tell you, I'm really excited. One of the things here, here's a um, 
spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> I am planning the downstairs area where we have our preschool and children is kind of dated. And so come January, the new year, we're going to be hitting hard of doing kind of a makeover. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be kind of a DIY project. And mm-hmm. so I know what we're going to do. And so another way to help would be even with that is mm-hmm. helping update to make it look more current. Mm-hmm. And we should so do our, when they remodeled it downstairs, I had just finished the fifth grade. <laughs> so that tells you how dated it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because I left oh and they goodness. put all these cool new colors and the green and the blue and the red and the big red room with some new thing. And that was the end thing. Yeah. But you know what's so funny? Had someone during the Christmas pageant, I overheard them as they were leaving the mm-hmm. children's area go, this looks like a children's hospital. And I oh, went, oh my goodness, no. it does with the stripes <laughs> yeah. and the way that the colors are. And so I thought, you know what? But, it, you know, think trends change. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we need to do is stay culturally relevant um, and doctrinally sound and yes. mm-hmm. do things that really are attractive to young families. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And that concludes my presentation for today. <laughs> thank you so thank much for talking to us today. Well, yes. thank you. Thank you for coming up to the closet. <laughs> do, 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 do. We don't even have to end with the music this time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, check out the website, help out with the children, because that's really where it starts. Right? Amen. Preach it. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, this has been the First Community Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.